It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It is the last and final day of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. Thank you very much for following the Mock Draft so far. It has been brought to you by ZipRecruiter. If your company's looking to draft new talent, make sure you do it at ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's your free exclusive address to get the best from ZipRecruiter at ZipRecruiter.com. Brandon Clean is our NBA draft expert. He's along with us. Jeremy Wu of SportsIllustrated.com has stopped by throughout the draft to give us a breakdown on each and every one of the players. And we have our final six picks of the draft. The Portland Trailblazers are on the board right now, followed by the Orlando Magic, who acquired the 26th pick from Cleveland. Charlotte's on the board 27th. They acquired that from Brooklyn. Golden State is 28th. San Antonio 29th. And Milwaukee is 30. Brandon, just a big picture on the draft. Zion, Murat, Barrett, Garland, Culver, and Clark were our first six in day one. Then Kobe White, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish went 7-8-9 with Nazar Little, Kevin Porter Jr., and your favorite kid, the French kid, whose name I still can't pronounce. So you get Seku. Dumboya. Dumboya. I got the first part right. Went 12th. And Romeo Langford went 13. Jackson Hayes, 14. Uh, Alexander Walker, 15. Thibault, 16. Bol Bol, 17. Talon Hooker, uh, Tucker went 18. Hashimura, Hero, Washington, Williams, Schofield, and Cameron Johnson went 24. What does that leave on the board right now? That leaves our second international prospect, Goga Batadze and uh, Keldon Johnson. Those are the two names that I'm watching right now. Two guys that I think this is a pretty realistic range for them on draft night, but still represent probably two decent talents that the good teams and the guys who have traded back might be able to steal in these last five picks of the first round. And do you have any major takeaway of what's happened in this draft through 24 picks? I think the trades that happened in our our last episode are what seemed to me to be pretty realistic. I think we could see a lot of those deals where the salary cap space or, you know, a certain player on a different roster might just be more valuable than some of the lower level talent that we're seeing come off the board on the actual draft. I think uh, we talk about eye of the beholder with the draft picks. 
there's some of that that might come into play simply in the trade market and teams wanting to just get out of this thing completely. Here are the trades we've had. The Hims trades have all taken place. All our trades are brought to you by Hims. If you ever get traded, you want to make sure you perform at your peak level. Whether it's hair loss, skin care, or sexual wellness, Hims has the answer for you. For the first f- month, just $5 will get you started for 5 bucks while supplies last. Subject to doctor approval. Restrictions apply. See website for more details. That could cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy for Hims.com slash locked five. That's for Hims.com slash locked five. For Hims.com slash locked five. All right. And the Hims trade bell is ringing again right now. We're hearing Chicago and Portland have made a deal. Before we get to that deal, let's tell you what happened earlier. Brooklyn traded. Uh, with Charlotte. Charlotte got the 17th and 27th pick. Brooklyn got the 12th. Pelicans then traded Anthony Davis to Boston in exchange for Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, the 14th pick, and the future Memphis pick. So Boston has Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, 14th pick, and the Memphis pick go to the Pelicans. Orlando traded the 16th pick to move contracts, and they got J.R. Smith, who I assume they'll waive in the 26th pick. Dallas acquired the 21st pick, which they used to pick P.J. Washington. Traded in the trade, they acquired Dennis Schroeder and Andre Robertson. The Oklahoma City Thunder got off their pick, but also picked up Tim Hardaway Jr. and Justin Jackson. Phoenix moved into the 22nd spot and will sign Terry Rozier in free agency in a sign-and-trade deal with Boston. They also gave up Josh Jackson, the four, former fourth pick, a future Bucks pick, and a unprotected 2021 pick. The Utah Jazz traded the 23rd pick and Jay Crowder to Sacramento for Neiman Bielitsa and the 40th pick. And now we're getting word, Brandon, that the Bulls have acquired Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, the current pick, and a 2022 first-round pick, lottery protected, for Otto Porter. Interesting. It's a great pickup for the Blazers is my initial reaction. But why would the Bulls, having just acquired Otto Porter, move Otto Porter? It felt like they actually liked him as a player, right? That deal was okay for them. They didn't have to give up too much at the trade deadline, but he played for them and and did pretty well, got to add a little bit of playmaking opportunity to his plate and, and did well with it. So it does feel strange, but I think, you know, maybe that's the opportunity to just add those those draft picks here at 25. And then again in 2022 just was a better opportunity to continue to build out this young core rather than paying Otto Porter as, you know, one of the best players on your team, a role that I think he's probably not quite suited for. It's a big deal for the Portland Trailblazers to get Otto Porter. So let's go to Mike Richmond, locked on Blazers, and find out why the Blazers pulled off this move. So the Blazers finally made the trade they were looking for, and that's to get out from under some of their expiring contracts to upgrade the roster. Here's why we think it works for us in Blazerland. First, Evan Turner and Mo Harkless weren't necessarily part of our long-term future. Uh, Those contracts have been kind of rotting either in the rotation or at the back end of the rotation or just at the end of the bench since since 2016 when we signed those Albatross deals. Getting out from those deals and adding a legit upgrade on the wing is a huge win in our eyes. And certainly we gave up some valuable assets. Uh, At least here in Blazerland, we think that this late round draft pick in 25th and 2019 is meaningless to us. We don't think we're going to find an impact player there, so we were happy to get rid of it and get out from under a guaranteed contract that would be on our roster for a few years. And we add Otto Porter, a guy who 
kind of struggled and turned into a stand-in-the-corner-and-watch type of guy playing with two ball-dominant guards in Washington. But we think with our system and our leadership, the way that the Blazers have sort of found homes and roles for other talented but maybe misused or underutilized players in the past, we think Rodney Hood, we think, excuse me, Rodney Hood is a good example, but we think Otto Porter can fit into that type of role as a ball handling option, a guy who can play three and four. And listen, he's getting paid a bunch of money. There's no doubt about it. But amazingly, adding Otto Porter actually cheapened our books and got us closer to our goal, which is getting briefly below the tax line so we can use the full mid-level exception in free agency. Now, we probably still have to renounce some of our free agents and do some maneuvering to get fully below the tax line considering tax holds and all those things that are going to come up in July. But for now, this was a major upgrade on the wing, got us a little bit cheaper, use expiring contracts, and the only real asset we gave up is the one that everyone's going to harp on, the 2022 draft. And frankly, here in Blazerland, at least when I'm running the ship, the thing that we're not going to do is overvalue potential. We have two, two guys who are about to turn 30 years old. They'll be north of 30 in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum when 2022 hits. We don't need a good teenager then. We need to maximize our chance to win a championship right now. We made the Western Conference Finals. We need to show those two dudes that we're in it to win it. And making a big money commitment and a big money trade shows them exactly that. Well, and interestingly enough, that you know, we talked about earlier, the Bulls actually have a ton of talent. They've already gotten Kobe White in this deal. So let's go into the Chicago draft room with uh, Mr. Peck and Mr. Malley and find out why they pulled off this deal with the 25th pick of the NBA draft. Locked on NBA Nation, we are back. This is Jordan Malley along with me is Matt Peck. We're the host of the Locked on Bulls podcast and back because we have made a deal, Matt. We are back in the first round. Second time in two years where we have two picks in the first round now. So let's start by uh, how we came to this deal and where we were going because we had some conversations with a few different teams, one being Orlando and also with the Portland Trailblazers about potential deals to get back in the first round. They were looking to get out of the draft completely and add uh, add some some depth to the roster and add for more of a playoff push. And that's why we went to Portland and also to Orlando. Uh, but we ended up sticking with Portland and having a good conversation with them. So I guess, why did we why did we want to get back into the first round here? Well, I think uh, a big part of the conversation was Portland's interest in adding Otto Porter Jr. to their roster that's trying to contend right now. The Bulls, of course, made that trade with Washington, uh, taking on Otto's money, um, and uh, sending Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis at uh, this past season's deadline. Otto, of course, is a, a valuable role player. He played well when the Bulls had him healthy for a stretch of February when the team as a whole was playing very well, spaced the floor, played good defense. But he is on a big contract. And I think for us, we were looking at an opportunity to not only get back into the tail end of this draft where we had seen some players fall that we really liked, but also adding a future pick, a future first-round pick from from Portland that could aid in this still questionable rebuild where the Bulls need to keep adding young talent, hoping to hit on people in this draft and drafts to come. 
but also the other added perk of freeing up that cap space that is being eaten up by Otto Porter right now a year earlier than they would have when that deal expires in 2021. Otto's getting off of Otto's money and taking on the expiring deals from the players that Portland is sending over. Hopefully, if the Bulls make a jump and look like a team getting closer to at least playoff contention this upcoming season and looking like a more desirable free agent destination, being a big market, getting off Otto's money a year earlier allows them more opportunities in free agency summer a year from now. And that was certainly on our minds. So we reached out to the Trailblazers initially to see what they would be looking for for their number 25 pick. Mike Richmond, their GM over there at the Locked On Trailblazers, sent back a request for to initially start the conversation with Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, the number 25 pick this year and a lottery protected 2022 pick for Otto Porter and our number 38 pick. Matt, originally we thought this was pretty intriguing, but we wanted to see if we could squeeze anything else out of the Trailblazers because Otto Porter is a very, very good player and underrated at that point. So we sent back a small change to the deal where we changed the protections on the 2022 pick uh, to top seven in 2022 and unprotected in 23. Uh, GM Mike Richmond sent back to us in that case can we bump up the pick to protected top 7 in 2021 and top 3 in 2022 and unprotected in 2023 the reason why we said immediately no to that is because CJ McCollum and also Damian Lillard don't come off the books until the end of 2022 so if they don't come off the books till then you're probably looking at a lottery pick not a lottery pick or a high value pick but something that's going to be in the mid teens or mid 20s for Portland with still two of their best stars available. So then we went back and said, how about top 11 protected in 2022 and unprotected in 2023? Uh, Then they said they would do that if we offered them up another second round pick. And Matt, I think we both can agree that if we started to include second round picks just because of a little bit of tinkering with the protections, Bulls fans would not be happy with us. (laughs) It's certainly a... uh one of those uh, dangerous triggers for Bulls fans when you start talking about throwing in second round picks for the fun of it. But uh, you know, when when a deal is uh, when a deal's on the table and you got to throw a second rounder in there to get it done, um, you know, you got to do it. <laughs> so we so we went back and just said, you know, well, let's stick to the original deal: is lottery protected in twenty twenty two, and then in twenty twenty three unprotected. So at least that gives us some assurances. Even if CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard in their final years of both of their contracts, I'm assuming Portland's going to make the playoffs at that point. So our pick wouldn't convey in 2022, but actually when Portland maybe would be looking to either start rebuilding or at least lose one of those two pieces in Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. And also they're not going to be the same players a few years down the road. We're talking three or four years down the road. So you're looking at a Portland team that may in fact be back in the lottery and you're hoping that our Bulls team would be a playoff contender and only bolster our value there when we're actually trying to contend and maybe use that piece to move or have another young player to add to this roster. So we went ahead and made the deal. We sent Otto Porter Jr. to the Trailblazers and our pick number 38 from Memphis in this year's draft to Portland for Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, the 25th pick this year, and also a 2022 first round pick. 
protected in 2022, lottery protected, and unprotected in the future. So I feel pretty good about this deal, Matt. I don't know about you, but uh, there was a reason why we did this, and it's because of the backup front court depth that we needed and wanted to take a swing on a guy that slid all the way out of the lottery, which we thought he was going to go, and ended up at 25 where we're picking. Yeah, and uh, that being one of the people who could be a big steal in this draft, uh, and that's why we're excited about him at 25. It's Goga Batazde, uh, the Georgian player uh, who had been playing professionally overseas in uh, Montenegro International. 6'11 half. His wingspan is a little, uh, a little short, just 7'2", but the guy has a lot of upside everywhere you look on the court. Moves pretty well, pretty light on his feet for a guy his size. Can run the floor. Uh, he's he's pretty good passer for a guy his size, especially in transition. Reminds me a little bit about uh, you know Nikola Jokic. That's you know certainly a, an upside projection and comparison. But I see certainly that kind of potential with him. Also a big who can shoot the three confidently like Jokic. Uh, he's he's got a great. Uh, assist to turnover ratio for a guy playing in the front court. True shooting percentage has been impressive. Uh, he won the EuroLeague Rising Star Award, uh, and that was also like while not even playing a full season. A lot of people had him as, as you were saying, back end lottery, mid to late teens pick. We were surprised to still see him here at 25, and uh, with the expected departure of Robin Lopez, as you said, some uh, some nice added depth to our backcourt for this upcoming season or for our front court. Goga Batazde in the Serbian league over his last five games, the final five games of his season, he averaged 30.3 points, 13.1 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 1.3 steals and 3.4 blocks on 66.9% true shooting. This dude is only 19 years old. Oh, by the way, he also shot 44% from three on 3.2 attempts per game. We're talking about a 6'11 player here, people, that are 19 years old. So without a doubt, Matt and I had a feeling that we needed to take a swing on him. And we're also going to get off the Otto Porter money uh, a year early, so we'll have some money in salary cap relief to spend next year. So we're very excited about that. If you want to hear more about the deal that we made and why we made it and why we didn't, head over to Locked On Bulls. But with the 25th pick in the Locked on NBA mock drafts. The Chicago Bulls select Goga Batazde out of Georgia. So now back to you, David Locke. You had mentioned Goga, Brandon, and there he goes, the international prospect. Yeah, uh, uh, another confusing one, to be quite completely honest, with the Bulls. Uh, Wendell Carter seems to me to be their center of the future, and Lowry Markinen, another guy who we already had questions about how he might fit with Wendell Carter, who was last year's number six pick. And I think this just compounds that problem. It's never a bad thing to add talent. And we talked about that with the trade itself, but Goga, not necessarily the guy that uh, I would add to that front court. It's just creating a log jam there. The talent, obvious, but the fit, maybe not so much. Let's hear what Jeremy Wu has to say about the international talent uh, and big man that the Chicago Bulls have just acquired. I love this pick for, for Chicago. Uh, I This trade is another complicated one I don't have to think about. But, uh, you know, just just on principle, uh, getting a guy like Goga here at 25, he's a guy who I think will probably end up going in the lottery on draft night uh, or just outside of it. So this is just great value in general. Um, I think he's one of the more underrated players in this draft. There's not been a ton of buzz about him, uh, but he had a great year overseas. You know, he's young, he's productive, and just I think any time as a rule of thumb, if you see uh, a 19-year-old really p- producing in the EuroLeague, you know, it's the toughest level of competition, you know, outside the NBA. I mean, that's something. You can't you can't just write that off. And 
Uh, you know, you watch him, he's more athletic than you think. You know, he plays hard, he's tough, he's physical. I think he'll be able to get stronger. And he has some natural touch on the basket. He can shoot a little bit from outside, which is key. Uh, and I think the hope is, you know, you've seen guys like that, like that succeed, you know, the, the European guys who maybe aren't as quick, but he'll bring so much to the table in terms of just know-how and, and skill that it sort of splits that. And I think, honestly, I think there's a case for Goga as the, the first, you know, big off the board in the draft. Like I would, you know, I might take him ahead of Jackson Hayes. So uh, 25 here is good value for him. I think it's uh, worth coming up to get him. Although I'm not sure there's a lot of parts that just move around in this trade. So, well, Wu is a big fan and certainly doesn't think he'll be at 25 on the board, so that makes it interesting to see there. Chicago's got an interesting element of things of just how much talent they actually have. All these different players will be curious to see in Portland uh, getting out of the draft, gets off the Evan Turner deal, gets off the Mo Harkless contract and picks up a max contract in Otto Porter, but a nice addition to Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. The Orlando Magic are now on the board in a deal that they acquired from Cleveland earlier. Let's go to Philip Rossman-Reich to see what the Orlando Magic plan to do. Hello, this is Philip Rossman-Reich of Locked On Magic, here to talk to about the Orlando Magic picking with the 26th pick in the NBA, in the Locked On NBA mock draft. First, let's recap the Magic season uh, from last year. A surprising 42-40 and 40 season, their first season over 500 in seven years, their first playoff appearance in seven years, and their first very quick playoff exit in seven years. The Toronto Raptors defeated the Orlando Magic in five games in that playoff season. While Orlando had a very impressive season and, and a very feel-good season, uh, the playoffs exposed a lot of their weaknesses. And, and while Orlando, I think, does have a very nice young core, a good group of young players that include Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and the injured Mo Bamba and the injured Mar- Markel Fultz, it's a team that still has a lot of holes to fill, and honestly, still some very big holes to fill, especially with Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross's impending free agency. So as I approached this draft pick, I had really kind of two goals in mind. First, I felt like it was important that the Magic get a player that could contribute quickly, because the Orlando Magic don't want to go back to the lottery. They, don't, they certainly don't want to go back to winning 25 games per year. They want to stay in that high 30s, early, you know, low 40s as some of their young players develop. With Nikola Vucevic's future uncertain, he's an unrestricted free agent this year, the difference between winning 45 games and going back to 32, 35 games is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty slim. Uh, Nikola Vucevic certainly leaving would, would probably mean the Magic take a little bit of a step back. And so part of what I wanted to do in this draft was kind of, kind of hedge my bets a little bit. And that's what I ended up doing. Now, is there a dream scenario for the Orlando Magic in this draft? Again, I think the dream scenario is more about finding a player that can contribute quickly, being able to spend uh, a very low amount, uh, essentially uh, a rookie contract is not a big amount, being able to cash in on a rookie contract and get a player that's going to help pretty quickly. There are a few players that I looked at for that, um, a few players that I felt like really fit that bill in, say, Nikel Alexander-Walker, Virginia Tech, um, I really liked Cameron Johnson of North Carolina. Um, I'm I'm hot and cold on Tyler Hero of Kentucky. Um, but those kind of guys are guys that can come in, play a role immediately, and you can kind of plug and play them into the lineup as necessary. And I think that was really important for Orlando and, and something that I think I got at 26 as I'll reveal the pick here in a little bit. Now, some fans certainly would say that the dream scenario would be to get a potential star at 16. And with the way this draft is shaking out, there are at least a couple players 
that could fit that bill. Romeo Langford of Indiana, Nasir Little of North Carolina, and Kevin Porter Jr. of USC. Those guys have lottery talent, and they very well could be available at 16. Problem is, for me, they need the ball. If if they don't have the ball in their hands, if they are not the ball-dominant player in your lineup, it's going to hurt you at the end. So what did I end up doing here in the Locked On NBA Mock Draft? I ended up trading back from 16 to take uh, to, to, to 26. What I ended up doing here was all about free agency, all about the Magic's bid to sign Nikola Vucevic, perhaps, and also keep some other players. I traded Timothy Mozgov's expiring contract. He's got set, he's owed about $17 million next year. For J.R. Smith's expiring contract, he is roughly the same, $15 million per year, but only $3 million is guaranteed for this year. So I ended up making $12 million in real savings, and I no longer have to stretch Timothy Mozgov's contract and take a $5 million cap hit over the next several years. J.R. Smith's getting cut. We're not keeping him, even though Orlando needs the shooting. Um, I don't think he's interested in playing for Orlando anyway. So I decided to trade back because the guys that I really wanted at 16 were gone. No Nasir Little, no Kevin Porter, no uh, no Romeo Lankford. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was really the guy I was going after. He was off the board, and I felt like the two guys that I was really targeting would be available at 26. Cameron Johnson, uh, the, sweet shoot, the shooter from North Carolina, and Casey Opala of Stanford. Cameron Johnson ended up getting taken, uh, I believe, a few picks before me, so I ended up taking Casey Opala of Stanford. I really like Casey Opala. He's a versatile, long long uh, uh, offensive-minded player, which the Magic need. He's someone that can go in a straight line to the basket, can hit the outside shot. His three-point shot still developing, but has made some significant progress. Orlando likes seeing that in their in their young players. Take a look at what Wesley Awundu did from college throughout his college career, and then coming from his first year to the second year in the NBA. Um, Opala has the physical tools to be a good defender. It's something that he'll still need to work on. Um, if he wants playing time under Steve Clifford, he will have to work on it. And so I think that Casey Opala would be a great pick. I felt like I accomplished my goal of, of shedding some, shedding some salary, creating some cap room so I can go out and make some big moves in the offseason during free agency, as well as taking a player that I think can contribute fairly quickly and still develop into something more. That's why I took Casey Opala. Uh, in the Locked On NBA mock draft. Remember, you can listen to us here on Locked On Magic, uh, of course, by searching on Himalaya or wherever you get podcasts for Locked On Magic. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr_omd. They went to the Stanford kid and KZ the pick there. Let's find out what Jeremy Wu has to say about what the Orlando Magic have just added to their roster. Yeah, so, you know, here Orlando made the trade. They got this pick. I think Akpala is a pretty prototypical Orlando guy, uh, being a long, athletic wing. We've heard this one before, right? But, you know, the tools here are good, and he, uh, KZ is a guy who had a late growth spurt, you know, is still getting used to his body. It's, you know, I think he, they thought he may not be done growing. I think it's Stanford, and I think well, he's like 6'9 now. And so, you know, he's, he's still, I think, sort of scratching the surface of what he can be as a player. I think it's a situation that can go both ways, obviously, but but he's a solid guy. I think he's going to, as long as he puts the work into, you know, refine the skill set, I think he can be a three and D wing. He can play make a little bit. I think it's a lot of upside uh, on the board in this range of the draft. So uh, he's another guy who I'm not exactly sure where he will go on draft night, but I think it'll be the first round. Teams will bet on that upside uh, just because of the demand for wings who can do multiple things. Uh, so, you know, he might be more of a project. And again, but if you're 26 and you're early, I think that's totally fine. 
So the Orlando Magic move into that 26 pick and get another one of these athletes. And, you know, there's this group of kids that they're not similar in a sense, but Akpala is six, nine and a half, two, ten, seven, one wingspan, average 17 and six. There's this kind of group to me, whether it's the kid out of Auburn that's kind of, he's more of the six, eight, two, thirty type. There's the, um, uh, I, the 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 kid out of uh, the probably bigger guy is, uh, out of Florida State. Um, everyone's got like something a little off, right? Dort's this amazing athlete out of Arizona State. Do you, do you think that some any of these guys are being missed on right now? That there's a real talent in there that is being misjudged. I agree with you that there's a lot of theoretical three and D type of players in this range, and uh, it'll be a huge part of the way we look back at this draft, I think, of which of them actually hits. And I think Akpala uh, really petered off at the end of his season, got hurt at the end of conference play, and really underwhelmed after a hot start where he was shooting almost 50% from three. So he's a big bet to me. I think I would prefer some of those other names you listed. All right. On the board now are the Charlotte Hornets. And they acquired this pick from the 27th pick. Earlier today, they got Bull Bull with the other half of that deal. Brooklyn uh, moved up to get the 12th pick. Let's find out with the Charlotte Hornets. Go back to Doug Branson. Walker Mel with the 27th pick of the Locked On NBA ZipRecruiter mock draft. This is Walker Mail of the Locked On Hornets podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail. You can find our other co-host at Doug Branson LOH and Nada Edwards at Nada the Scribe. We appreciate you checking us out. If you want to get any more in-depth knowledge on the Charlotte Hornets surrounding all of the off-season questions and maybe who we were looking at in the NBA draft, we'll certainly give that information for you now as well as if you want to get a little bit more in-depth, again, just check us out. Out on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, and of course, subscribe to our podcast as you would with any Locked On podcast. We'll, we'll start off with what the Charlotte Hornets' biggest needs are, and especially with the situation that is surrounding them. The biggest question is Kimba Walker whether the Charlotte Hornets want to re-sign him at full Supermax, maybe just a little bit less than the full Supermax, but still bring him back. And of course, if the Charlotte Hornets want to do that, as well as if Kimba Walker wants to come back. So if Kimba Walker doesn't come back and As of today, as of June 10th with the news coming out, Tony Parker is going to retire from the NBA as he tells the undefeated. So now that's two point guards that you're not going to have. The one point guard that you would have on this roster as it stands right now would be Devontae Graham, your second round selection from just this past season. While you might believe that Devontae Graham can develop into a viable option at point guard down the road... It certainly would be uncomfortable to have him as your number one and really your only point guard that you're going to roll with next season. So that might be a need where you go out in free agency, maybe get a veteran guy that is not Tony Parker because he's gone, as well as Kimball Walker, or maybe you decide to get one through the draft. Maybe somebody falls all the way to number 12 that you'd be willing to select. But most likely, Kimba is going to return. If the Charlotte Hornets want to keep on to the best star in their franchise's history, then you would think they would offer him at least $190 million. Maybe not full Supermax at 221 but you could imagine them offering $190 million. And if Kimba would come back, then maybe point guard wouldn't be as big of a need because you would have Kimba back. And that way, you would go to what James Borrego, head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, 
what he said all along. He's always talked about the biggest need being some rim protection, having a big guy that is able to protect the paint and protect the rim in a way that Cody Zeller hasn't been able to do. And even Bismack Biombo, you just can't rely on him on offense. This is somebody that's not a viable option to be frequently implemented into your rotation. So a big guy really makes sense for the Charlotte Hornets. That would be some of their biggest needs, maybe what they'll decide to do at two. It doesn't look likely that they're going to bring back Jeremy Lamb. So how do you replace Jeremy Lamb, especially with Malik Monk just not performing up to expectations heading into his third season? I think the big decision that they're making at this point between what draft prospects they might like, they've worked out Kevin Porter Jr. They just worked him out this weekend. That would fit that two-guard mold. Maybe they could address that position with Kevin Porter Jr., who has a lot of upside. Jackson Hayes, if he were to last to 12, I think he would be in heavy consideration. They've also worked out a couple of other guys that might be there like a Brandon Clark. I think if you were to ask me who I'm trying to decide between right now, I think it would be between those three players that I think have a realistic shot of falling there. We did make a trade. We did trade number 12 to the Brooklyn Nets for their 17th and their 27th overall picks. My reasoning was that there was a bunch of different routes that I would not mind taking with the Charlotte Hornets. So if the Charlotte Hornets maybe wanted to take one of those big guys like a Bull Bowl, a Bruno Fernando, a Jackson Hayes, uh, Goga Bitaze, I think any of those guys would be viable options for the Charlotte Hornets. And so with that being in mind, with Kevin Porter Jr. being selected just to pick ahead, I decided to trade my 12th overall selection in this mock draft and move back and get 17 and 27. With 17, we selected Bull Bull. And Bull Bull was somebody that was a huge favorite of my co-host, Doug Branson, wanted to take part in that high ceiling where maybe the Charlotte Hornets can get out of purgatory that is mediocrity with the bowl bowl high ceiling maybe that comes to fruition and then with the 27th pick we decided to go get big three and d potential Keldon johnson who i think is some real good value there look i know this isn't the nfl where a smart strategy is to trade down and just accumulate a ton of picks and future assets so you can try to enhance your team but i do think that in this particular draft there wasn't anybody that was there at 12 enough for me to stay home and miss out on getting two first round selections bowl bowl's talent is extremely Extremely tantalizing. I know there's a lot of worries about his injury history as well as maybe some of his motor issues that he has displayed heading into just the little sample size that he gave us into Oregon basketball. But Bol Bol does have a lot of ability. He does provide that rim protection maybe that he could give the Charlotte Hornets just a good shot blocker. Maybe doesn't defend as well on the perimeter moving laterally. But Bull Bull is somebody that I think does have a high ceiling. It's just you hope that he's able to reach it. And Kelvin Johnson, just a solid prospect, shot 38% from the three last season. So maybe as a 3 and D guy, you can never have too many of those. Hopefully you can hit on a Kelvin Johnson if Bull Bull doesn't come to fruition. So that's what we decided to do in the Locked On NBA mock draft. Thanks for listening to our edition of what we decided to do on the Charlotte Hornets front. Again, you can catch us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets if you want to dive into a little bit more analysis on the Hornets front, as well as my personal Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug's Twitter at Doug Branson LOH, and Nada at Nada the Scribe. Thanks again for listening and hope you enjoy this edition of Locked On NBA. And they take Keldon Johnson, another name that Brandon mentioned. Let's see what Jeremy Wu's breakdown of Keldon Johnson is. This would be great for Charlotte, uh, I think to get Kelvin this far down. He's another guy who I think will probably go a little bit higher than you expect on draft night. Uh, he'll probably go in the top 20, maybe not far outside it. Uh, I think people love his intangibles in particular. You know, he's really, really competitive. 
Uh, you know, I know we say that a lot, but with him, you know, I think it's a real thing where, you know, he's going to put the work in. He, he really cares about winning. I don't think he cares so much about his stats. Um, and he uh, does a lot of things well. He doesn't have an elite calling card skill, but, you know, he can score at all three levels. You know, he'll play defense. And I think, you know, again, you, sometimes you can't ask for more than that uh, with your first rounder. So, uh, and he's young enough that you should be optimistic that he, you know, becomes a pretty useful uh, useful glue guy. And I think he fits that mold really well. So to get him here at 27 for Charlotte, who, you know, could use more help on the wing, I think it's a great pick. Three picks to go in the NBA mock draft. Golden State, San Antonio, Milwaukee on the board. We'll come back with those picks in just a moment on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Brandon, we've got three picks left in the NBA draft. Are you better off being taken here, or are you better off becoming a second-round draft pick and writing your own script? Well, I, it's 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 always the question, and I think this year, the three franchises with these 28 through 30 picks are great. They're great franchises. They're great player development systems. So I think you have to be pretty excited to end up in either of these three cities. Guy that's on the board still is Eric Paschel out of Villanova, senior, older, 23 years old. But I kind of look at the Malcolm Brogdon success and some of the older guys' success. At this point in the draft, I'm not, I don't care if they're old. Early in the draft, I get nervous about the older players, if they're going to get any better the Epe Udos, the Wesley Johnsons the guys that were you know late senior uh, early picks didn't pan out what's your thoughts on the Villanova senior I think he's he's good I think he's a versatile player I think he uh, maybe could be a, a, a small ball five in the NBA uh, he his versatility intrigues me and obviously the fact that he came up through that Villanova program we've seen so many players now come into the NBA and have success pretty much everyone from this little dynasty that Villanova has created has come into the NBA and really made an impression right away. So that has to play a part. I think it will for these NBA teams as well. Jalen Brunson, a good example of that last year in Dallas, a four-year player who was able to step forward. All right, let's see if Gold, what Golden State does. Obviously, Golden State with the 28th pick of the draft and Charles Hamilton, who you've probably been listening to for a locked, locked on or NBA Finals coverage. Here's Charles Hamilton in the Locked On Warriors draft room with the 28th pick. Hello and welcome into the Warriors draft room. I am Charles T. Hamilton. I'm the host of Locked On Warriors, but today I am the executive vice president of basketball operations for the Golden State Warriors. And I'm going to start with what the Warriors' biggest needs are. Some would say the center position is definitely still a need for the Warriors. 
but I think the free agent market will work in our favor to where we can find a solid veteran center for the minimum salary. And we've selected centers three out of the last four years, and really only one of them's worked out, and that was with three years of development, and that's Kavon Looney, who is also a free agent. We expect to be able to re-sign him, but even if not, I think we can find our replacements in free agency. We still have Damian Jones under contract. Jordan Bell is a restricted free agent, so we'll see what happens with him. As far as other needs, the biggest need for me is the small forward position and just wings in general, versatile wings who can play the two, three, or four spot. And one of the biggest reasons for that is the future of Kevin Durant. We don't know whether Kevin Durant is staying, but regardless of what Kevin Durant decides, we need more wings. We need more playable wings, especially ones that can play immediately. And part of the reason for that is we saw it in the playoffs. As soon as KD went down, the drop-off between him and his backups was way too big. It was much bigger than it needed to be. Obviously, you're not going to find a Kevin Durant replacement. He's one of the best players in the world. But the drop-off doesn't need to be Kevin Durant to Alfonso McKinney, who played hard. He's got some skills, but he didn't have the skills that the Warriors needed. Uh, Dream scenario for me for this team is actually the scenario we got today, and I'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, The biggest decisions I was making at this point uh, for players that I'm deciding between were Dylan Windler, Darius Baisley, Ty Jerome, and Lewis King. Darius Baisley and Lewis King, both projects. Baisley, I don't know if you guys know, he spent the year off from basketball doing an internship for New Balance. Uh, he was going to play in the G League and then didn't, and he's a project. He's going to take some development. Lewis King, kind of similar situation. He played at Oregon, played well. Both of these guys are enormous wings. Baisley comes in at 6'9", Lewis King 6'8". Uh, Lewis King played well at Oregon towards the end of the year, but he was coming off a knee injury and missed part of the season. He's another project as well. If the Warriors can find a way to uh, buy picks to get either of these guys in the second round, we would love to do that. But as far as first-round picks go, we need a contributor immediately. Ty Jerome, backup point guard out of Virginia, National champ, he would definitely fit as well, but the Warriors are grooming Jacob Evans to take over that backup point guard spot. So for me, the perfect situation right now is Dylan Windler, and that is who we are picking with the 28th overall pick. He's a senior out of Belmont shooting forward. He'll be 23 when the season starts. He is a great shooter, shot 43% from three, uh, 67% from two. Off-ball movement coming off screens and cutting to the rim fits perfectly with the Warriors' offense. He's a solid finisher and lob threat. Good enough handle as well. Uh, Good effort and IQ on defense, but there's still some things that his lack of size and athleticism uh, will be a problem. You know, the, the IQ and effort won't make up for everything. But he's still a good enough player that the Warriors could use him and he can contribute immediately. He did go to Belmont, which is a small school, and played against smaller schools and dominated those those schools and did struggle against some of the, the top 100 teams that he would play against. But to me, that's not a problem because at Belmont, he was the, the guy. And teams are focusing on shutting him down. Now, in a complimentary role with the Warriors, don't think it'll be as much of a problem. And another reason why the Warriors need wings is because we saw it in the playoffs. Once Kevin Durant went down, it took away their ability to play small, to play the death lineup, so to speak. Uh, But basically, when they play 
Draymond Green at the five, that's when they're at their best. And without anything close to a suitable replacement for Kevin Durant, there was just no shooting behind him, which did not allow them to go small. Now with a guy like Dylan Windler and potentially other wings that they can pick up in free agency or the second round, it will help them with their ability to get back to that, playing small. Dylan Windler, about 6'8", 200 pounds, can definitely fill in at the small forward, potentially uh, some power forward in the small ball lineups. So with pick 28, Warriors are taking Dylan Windler and are happy to have him as the newest Golden State Warrior. Brandon, Dylan Windler's been a little bit of the high riser. He hasn't quite had that Lindsey Hunter run of a few years, of many, many years back, but there always seems to be this guy that gets hot. Is Windler the guy that's kind of skyrocketed late? He definitely did well for himself by showing up in a huge way, a 30-point double-double in the NCAA tournament. Uh, showed off his rebounding ability, his offensive versatility. But I would actually say the guy who wrote, who will rise the most, who I was expecting to see by now in our mock draft, was Nick Claxton out of Georgia. He's a name that I would expect to see, somebody we haven't seen go off of our board yet. You've mentioned great NBA players. We'll get Jeremy Wu's breakdown of Windler in a second. Carson Edwards has not been taken yet. Do you? What's your feeling on him? He had an obviously a high-profile NCAA tournament for Purdue. I would expect him to be another guy who probably does go a little bit higher, but I think some of the trades we saw happen here, some younger teams, some rebuilding teams getting back into these 20s made it so that he probably doesn't make sense for those teams. He he makes more sense for these competitive teams, and there's just not a lot left with the way our draft panned out. Brandon Clean, our NBA draft analyst with a breakdown. Let's find out more about Dylan Windler from Jeremy Wu. I like the fit for Golden State. I think he's a guy who will probably be in play for them at this pick. Um, just knowing that the Warriors always need shooters, uh, you know, as a baseline, it's going to come at a premium in the draft. Uh, I think he's one of the better ones just in terms of his stroke, in terms of his consistency. Um, you know, he's big enough and he's tough enough. You know, he's not he's not overly you know strong, but he he competes and he rebounds and you know he can be kind of a combo three four. He won't just stand in the corner like you. you know, I think he wants to impact the game in other ways, which is good. Uh, and so if you're looking for a specialist at this point in the draft, I think he's one of the, you know, probably the better ones available. So uh, I think for Golden State, again, it's kind of a no-brainer. You know, they always need shooting. You just need guys who can help support what they have in place. The point being, you know, we know what they like to do, and we know what type of guys fit in their system, and I think he's a pretty natural fit. You can read all of Jeremy's stuff at SI.com. Our final two picks of the NBA draft are next. If you want to follow your favorite locked-on NBA team, all you have to do is go to Locked, go to ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team's name, and you'll get your daily podcast brought right to you through your smart device. Just tell your smart device to play Active Word, whatever it is, and then say play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. It'll come right to you. Back with San Antonio, Milwaukee on the Locked On Podcast Network. The show brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Locked On. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
The 29th pick of the draft is the San Antonio Spurs. They were on the clock a little bit ago. They went to the 19th pick. They took Rui Hashimura out of Gonzaga. Let's see what Jeff Garcia does with the 29th pick as we head back to San Antonio in their draft room. Once again, this is Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs here to bring in the 29th pick in the 2019 uh, mock NBA draft for the Locked On NBA Network. Uh, the 29th pick, the San Antonio Spurs selected Luka Samanik out of Croatia. Uh, shocking, another Euro player uh, that the Spurs will likely use uh, in a drafted staff situation. He's very young, 19 years old, uh, very thin, thin frame, a six foot eleven. I think he needs time to still groom his game overseas, but I think the Spurs have shown in their history that they'll have patience with that and let players like Luca and other past international players develop and come out to be quality NBA players. Uh, he had a strong combine performance. Uh, he showed that he had a great offensive game, that he was versatile on both ends of the court. And for a guy his height, 6'11", he can handle the ball again that he showed that during the 2019 NBA Combine. And for 19 years old, scouts show and uh, jot down that he has a very high basketball IQ. Again, something that Popovich and the Spurs coaching staff value when it comes to the Spurs system and being a part of that. So, so far, so good. I think the Spurs like what they see out of Luka. He did go in for a workout for San Antonio uh, prior to the 2019 NBA Draft. And according to his social media, he was very ecstatic. He used words like honored, and it was a pleasure. Uh, he seemed to be very joyful that he got to work out for the Spurs. Other strengths that I think it will lend to the Spurs, uh, he has an inside and outside game, and he has good defense. Nothing great, but it's good defense. Um, again, I see him just staying overseas if the Spurs were to select him in the uh, real NBA draft. I think he can use that seasoning to become a quality player, to become an impactful player, and once again, be that player down the road where NBA uh, talking heads would say the Spurs did it again. They found themselves another international gem, and look what he's doing in San Antonio. So again, with the uh, 29th pick, the Spurs selected Luka Samanik. Another international prospect taken here. Uh Luka Samanich, am I am I close? Out of Croatia, as close as I can get it. Uh, what's the nineteen years old, six eleven, two twenty seven? What's your what's the word on him? I would feel that if anyone listening imagined what they think of as a European player, this is the guy that they would think of. So, shooting, size, skill, uh, a lot of question marks. Um, Maybe a player the Spurs would take a chance on, but it feels like they have been transitioning a little bit into more athletic players. So I'd be fascinated to see uh, how they would value a guy like this and where they go at 29 on draft night. Let's find out what Jeremy Wu has to say about the Croatian Luka Samanich, 6'11", 227 pounds. I think this is a good value here for San Antonio. I think Samanich has a pretty good amount of upside. He was a guy who we were talking about coming into the year as a potential lottery talent. Um, sort of an up and down year overseas, but he was very good at the combine, and certainly he's a guy with um, the upside to be, you know, better than the 29th pick. Um, and his body's starting to fill out nicely. He's a big, personal forward. Uh, if you look at, you know, how teams are using their bigs now, I think you want guys like him who can sort of step out and hit the three. They can handle a little bit. They can pass a little bit. 
you know, he's, he, he, he needs to get a little tougher. He needs to play a little more physically inside. But I think as long as he can keep bulking up, it shouldn't be so big of a problem. So um, definitely a chance to be a good uh, fit in San Antonio's system. Uh, they like to play two bigs, and so you need guys who are skilled. And I think he probably fits that mold. So uh, I like that pick here. The final pick of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft brought to you by ZipRecruiter. If your company's drafting new talent, do it through ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. If you – who are the guys here? Who are the guys that – and then obviously one of them is going to get taken, but a little bit of the question is who are the guys that are going to be the draft, you know, second round – we always think they're going to be steals. The Jordan Bells, the Perry Jones. They don't actually, they very rarely actually become steals. There's usually a reason they go in the second round. But what? who are those guys right now? As we've seen in the finals, right? Jordan Bell, not the guy we all clamored would be the end of civilization when the Warriors ended up with him on draft night. I think Carson Edwards, as you mentioned before, is one name. He will probably be able to come into the NBA and make an instant impact. So he might make some teams regret it. Chuma Okiki is the Auburn guy that you mentioned before. He tore his ACL, so probably the reason we're seeing him fall and he could suffer a similar fate on draft night, I would say. Cabin Gale, who is Dikembe Mutombo's nephew, the other guy out of Florida State that you mentioned earlier, another one, probably a little bit higher stock. I really think he's a first-round guy just because of the the look of him. He feels like a 3-and-D big man, which is about the rarest of assets at this point. We'll probably remind listeners a little bit of Sergi Baca. So uh, there's a lot of guys left. There's a lot of interesting players and uh, interested to see what Milwaukee does with some needs to fill out the back of that roster that were potentially exposed in the playoffs. Let's go to Eric Name and Frank Madden in the Milwaukee Bucks draft room and find out what they'll do with the 30th pick of the ZipRecruiter Locked On NBA Mock Draft. This is Eric Name from Locked On Bucks making the pick for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, I mean, th- this was a, an interesting exercise for, for Frank Madden, my co-host, and I to kind of go through because... Honestly, I don't think either of us really believe strongly that the Bucks are going to make this pick. I think we we all kind of think that the Bucks might end up trading this pick for cap relief. Uh, obviously, that's something that has been reported as of late, and it's something that we've been thinking about for a while because of you know the the tough spot the Bucks have been put in in free agency, where they really have to try to figure out how they're going to bring all these guys back. And in using the thirtieth pick on draft night, uh, they they cannot make this trade before the draft because of the other first round picks that they've already given up. But making this trade on draft night. Pairing the 30th pick with Tony Snell or Sonny Lysova really helps alleviate some of, uh, you know, what they're, you know, some of that cap stress that they're going to be under because they have a really tough offseason here with Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, Nikola Mirotic, and likely George Hill all ending up being free agents. Uh, So they're going to be in a tough spot here, and I think we both believe that's what's going to end up happening with it. Trading for cap relief isn't something that uh, I think uh, many GMs wanted to be a part of in in this uh, in this exercise. So uh, we we did not end up using our our abilities, our, I guess our our duties as GM to actually get that trade done. But I do think that is something that ends up happening. As far as the Bucks' biggest need, I mean, I think when you look at this team this past season. 
not a lot of weaknesses. There, there, there's really not a ton of weaknesses on this team that won 60 games this year. Uh, I think something that we have both pointed to is the fact that the Bucks shoot more threes than almost anyone in the league. And when you do that, I, I think you want more knockdown shooters rather than uh, good to above average shooters, which is largely what they had this year. So uh, I think when you're looking at need, I think that's something that we both have kind of circled. Uh, as far as a dream scenario for them, maybe Cam Johnson falling to them would uh, would end up being a, a dream scenario. Obviously, in this draft, Cam Johnson ended up going to the Sixers at 24. Um, I think that's someone that, you know, we both talked about uh, as a possibility for the Bucks. Um Matisse Thibel, another person that doesn't shoot the ball as well, but someone else that, you know, we had talked about as uh, someone on the wing that could really help out there. And then finally, Dylan Windler is someone that I'm kind of surprised he went as early as he did in this draft. I'm not I think there's a real possibility that he's available for the Bucks at 30. Uh, so that, that was someone we were talking about as well. But with all of those guys off the board, ultimately we decided to go with Ty Jerome and with Ty Jerome, what we saw there is someone that does a little bit of everything. He, he may not end up being quite the the elite shooter uh, that you know. I think a fellow small like Carson Edwards uh, was, but uh, I think with Ty Jerome, you're getting something that fits into what Bud likes to do, where. Mike Boonholzer really stresses being able to score on all three levels, being able to pass a little bit, shoot a little bit, uh, dribble a little bit, and make some plays off the bounce. Like he, that is what he wants. And, and in Ty Jerome, I think the Bucks could possibly have someone that can do a number of those things. And uh, they've had success with University of Virginia guys, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, obviously someone that they've relied on here over the last few years, and and someone that you know, may end up leaving in restricted free agency. So uh, Jerome is someone that we circled and said that that's a guy that does things on a couple different levels and, uh, you know, might be able to contribute in a number of different ways. So that was ultimately what we decided to do with the pick that we think maybe the Bucks might not end up even taking. So with all that being said, that is our pick, Ty Jerome from the University of Virginia for the Milwaukee Bucks. For the Milwaukee Bucks and for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. Ty Jerome, that is one of the best knockdown shooters in the NBA. And actually, I've talked to a few scouts around the league who feel pretty comfortable that the 22-year-old six-foot-four, six-foot-five wing will be able to play as a rotational player in the NBA. And frankly, if you can get a rotational player in the NBA, that's pretty good. Let's go to Jeremy Wu and get his take on it. Ty Jerome out of Virginia. Uh, He's a great fit for Milwaukee. Ty Jerome, uh, I think. He's a guy who may even go higher than this on draft night. I think he's in play higher than this for teams, but uh, he's sort of successfully bridged the gap where, you know, you look at him, he's not a nice test guy. He's kind of doesn't have a great basketball body, uh, but it helps that he's six five and he's big and he's tough and extremely, extremely competitive. Um, winning the championship at Virginia certainly helped him. Um, but you know, I think Jerome is, uh, I think this is about where I'd do it. Uh, I, I think just he's a winning player. He's got that track record. I think you're confident throwing him out there. He won't be phased. Uh, and I think he'll continue to work to get better. And, again, every year there are guys who go in this range who are, you know, experienced college guards who maybe aren't eye test guys but end up, you know, really producing value. And for the Bucks, uh, you know, any guys like that who can hit shots, who can play with and without the ball next to Giannis, 
so I think this would be a pretty ideal fit for him. I don't know if he'll make it here, uh, but if he does, I think it'd be a great pick. Well, Brandon, 30 picks are in the book. Some major trades went down. Some picks were made. What's your takeaway on the winners and losers of our NBA mock draft? First winner has to be the Boston Celtics for getting that Anthony Davis trade done, uh, giving up from a player standpoint. You know, what people worry that they might have to give up both of their young wings. They only had to give up Jason Tatum and they make some deals in the back half of the draft, get a good player in Tyler Hero and move off of Terry Rozier to get a, another future pick, restock their asset barrel a little bit and take a chance on Josh Jackson. To me, uh, they took advantage of being a team that had three first round picks. They made about as good a use of them as they can. And I think just one pick to one team that really stuck out to me going through this process was Cam Johnson to the 76ers. I think you mentioned Ty Jerome. I think he'll be able to play right away for the Bucks. Some Malcolm Brogdon insurance as that guy hits restricted free agency. But I think Johnson in Philadelphia will be able to do the same. We saw the impact Ursan Ilyasova had on that rotation two seasons ago for the 76ers. I think Johnson will be able to do the same and uh, grow with that core a little bit better, obviously, than Ilyasova, who was a veteran by the time he came through Philly. So uh, a lot of a lot of good teams walked away with good players here, which is something that I think I could definitely see happening on Thursday. Brandon, thanks so much for the uh, work as the draft analyst on our Locked on NBA draft. People have been listening to you for five hours or so now uh, on this draft. How can they uh, hear more of you? Go over to Locked on Suns. Very prominently involved in the draft seemingly every single season, but uh, we do great work over there Monday through Friday as – Everyone here does breaking down the ins and outs of that franchise as they struggle to come out of their rebuild. And I hope you give us a listen. That is Brandon Clean. Thanks to Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated. Feel free to follow him or send him a thank you on Twitter. We'd greatly appreciate that. And thanks to all other people. Josh Lloyd with his work as well. And that's where we head now. The Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Draft Desk. And find out what he has to say about the final picks of the draft and if they'll have any fantasy impact. Josh Lloyd back here from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, looking at the final six picks in this Locked On NBA mock draft. Uh, at pick number 25, we had a trade here with the Bulls acquiring this pick from the Portland Trailblazers, giving up Otto Porter and uh, and getting back Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, this pick and another first rounder. But what I'm more interested in is what the Bulls did in this pick, uh, selecting Goga Bidadze with this selection. This is, to me, the absolute steal of this entire draft. I think Bidadze has a chance to be a player that's picked in the top 10, if not in the lottery. In terms of fantasy prospects, it is absolutely through the roof. For these guys picked here, he is a not a guaranteed starter, but and maybe not even on this team, of course, with Wendell Carter there, but developing into a starting caliber center is absolutely in Badatse's future. A guy that can shoot, a guy that can block shots, a guy that is a rebounder, is tough, he's, he's strong, he's efficient. He might have some problems defensively, but his ability to put up fantasy stats is absolutely massive. And he is a guy that this is not the greatest scenario for him in a fantasy point of view. I imagine he goes significantly earlier than this in the actual NBA draft. And if he finds himself on a team like Atlanta and they don't bring back Dwayne Dedman and he can find himself in a 22, 23-minute-a-night role immediately, he has a chance as a top 170, top 160 player in that first season just from the ability to shoot, be efficient, and block shots. And I think he can really develop. Absolutely love this pick. At pick 26, the Orlando Magic. Uh, they went with KZ Okpala out of Stanford. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, solid enough pick. They they like this guy. Uh, his defensive stuff is okay. He does not translate well from a fantasy point of view at all. Poor efficiency, which is just the case for so many guys in this draft. A lack of uh, playmaking, uh, low block rate, low steal rate, doesn't hit threes, low rebound rate. It's always good to get to get wing type players. Um, that's you know, a great you know, great thing to be looking at at this portion in the draft at, at the very least is getting wings because we know how hard that can be to find and there's a magic team that was relying upon guys like Wes Wundu to play significant roles during the season but from a fantasy point of view Okpala's not a guy that I'm particularly interested in with the next selection, we had the Charlotte Hornets via Brooklyn from that earlier trade, selecting Keldon Johnson, another wing-type player whose translations are pretty poor, and I don't really see him playing a significant role. They've got guys like Miles Bridges. Actually, do they, they might have traded Miles Bridges away in this. Oh, no, they didn't trade him away in this trade, going back through the old uh, mock, mock draft trades. Uh, Miles Bridges, Dwayne Bacon, Nick Batum, still around here for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, so Johnson, not not a guy to have an impact immediately and not a long-term guy that I'm, I'm really interested in from a fantasy point of view. The next guy is pretty interesting. The Golden State Warriors at pick 28, picking Dylan Windler or Windler. I'm not actually sure how that one's uh, how that's said, but he is a guy that translated really well from his statistics. Uh, good steal rate, rebounded well, hit threes at a solid rate, supremely efficient, uh, scored at a high rate as well. It's going to be hard for him to have the, a, a decent role on the Warriors, but of course, with Kevin Durant's injury now, uh, whether he stays or goes that's almost not even a factor anymore because he's just not going to play the majority of next season and getting guys to shoot for a team that has two of the best shooters of all time. They lack shooters. And getting someone in here uh, to, to do this and, and to be efficient, it's going to be hard for him to play a significant role given the way the Warriors run things with rookies. We saw how little Jacob Evans played this season and the concerns that Steve Kerr had with Jordan Bell in the previous season. But there's a decent amount of upside here. As there is with pick number 20, 29, the San Antonio Spurs, which they got from the Toronto Raptors. Lucas Armanich coming across from Europe, a guy that really impressed at the NBA draft combine. Big bodied, showed more strength, more uh, ability with the ball in his hands on the drive. Uh, the shooting's still not there, but I think he can project into a decent enough shooter. I don't think he's ever going to be a game-changing type of player, but a player that can score, that can provide some elements of efficiency with defensive stats and shooting and be a solid rebounder. There is something there. He'll never probably be a top 100 fantasy sort of guy, but you could see him moving into a rotation role, playing some five, playing some four, 18, 20 minutes a night at some point in the next couple of seasons. It's a pretty strong pick. And then at number 30, to round out this locked-on NBA mock draft, the Milwaukee Bucks went with Ty Jerome. Uh, this Bucks team we know is loaded, so Jerome's not going to play a huge amount. But his ability to get assists and steals is something which always should pique your interest from a fantasy point of view. Guys like J.J. Barea, uh, who don't do much outside of get you four to five assists, they can become fantasy useful because finding assists off a waiver wire is really tough. Now, I'm not saying Jerome's going to be able to do this immediately or in this first season, but looking two or three years down the track... These sort of end of first, start of the second round guards, Malcolm Brogdon in Milwaukee is an option, uh, yeah, an example. Jalen Brunson in Dallas was able to do it at the end of uh, at the end of this last season. Jerome could move into that sort of a role. Efficiency is a problem for him, but that assist and steal rate, which look pretty strong, are definitely intriguing, and he has some value ahead of some of those guys who were selected ahead of him. Well, that puts it all in the books. 30 picks, five days, about five hours plus worth of coverage. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been the Zip Recruiter, Locked On NBA Mock Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.